Um, so we're going to move on and um, talking about um, increasing your immunity. As we move into the period of time, as we're looking at uh, getting into the winter time, and our, uh, that's when we really need to build up our immunities for um, that period of time and as we move into it. Okay, at some point, um, we will have cold weather in Nebraska, and so we will need um, to have um, our immunities and work on building them up as much as we possibly can. And so, um, when we are, are dealing with it, we're um, building up our immunity. We want to think about what, um, what sickness can do. Sickness can raise our blood sugars. And in reality, people that are di have diabetes, that you can even tell that there's an infection in their body before they have any pain, their blood sugars will raise. So um, having flu, having a cold, those kinds of things can really increase your blood sugars. And that's one of the reasons we wanna build that immunity so we don't have to do that. Also, people that um, have diabetes have a high risk of serious flu-related complications. You just don't want to go there. So let's take a look at how we can winterize your health for this coming winter. And um, so the, some, the first thing is to get quality sleep. You need to get um, seven to eight hours of sleep every night. And that is deep, undisturbed, restful sleep. And um, so as we're looking at that whole process, we find that the people that have those seven to eight hours of um, undisturbed sleep have fewer sick, sick days. So even though um, you may not have diabetes, it's good for your health as well to do that. And so some of the things that you need to do to uh, is avoid heavy foods before bedtime, um, avoid caffeine. Some people do it, um, cut it off at noon. Some people can do it, cut it off at five. Other people can go clear to bedtime and, and not have any problems with it. Um, alcohol for before bed, you know, we've heard things about, you know, have alcohol, it'll help you sleep. Well, in actuality, it, it arouses you and can cause some problems or that kind of thing. You also want to sleep in uh, somewhere where it's dark, comfortable, cool, and quiet. And so we, lots of times we think, oh, we want to be cuddly warm and that kind of thing. But actually the research shows us if we're a little cooler, we will sleep sounder. So now we're going to do some, a little bit of a, a, a audience participation. What do you do to relax and get to sleep so you get that good undisturbed night's sleep? I just have people here in West Point smiling at me. We're going to look in. Um, Laurel, do you have any ideas of hints of things that you do to, to get to sleep better? Mary, I see you have the microphone uh, there at Takema. What are some things that are done there to help you relax and get into that nice, restful sleep? Diane wants to know, can you ice cream? <laughs> that that helps or hinders going to sleep? Great. So you might try that if you haven't done that before. There's an idea. Okay, Bassett, do you have any ideas to share with us? Okay, reading a book, and, and Pat suggested this afternoon, a really dull read is really helpful to help you go to sleep or that kind of thing. Um, Dr. Seuss books, if you read them out loud with the rhythm of them, they are another good soothing type thing. And, and uh, Laurel Concord, do you have any suggestions for us tonight? 
Okay, well then the next thing they said is to green your tea, to move rather than regular tea, to move to green tea. Green tea has um, chemicals in it that contains a compound that can really increase the number of regulatory T cells that are in your body. And these cells help regulate the immune system so it doesn't attack um, the healthy uh, system within your body. So it has some good event, uh, advantages. And um, then as we also look at uh, green tea, a couple things they talked about is if you put a squeeze of lemon in your green tea, then you will find that it also gives you the daily um, need of vitamin C with just that squeeze of lemon in your tea. Now, if you're a, a tea purist, green tea is very light in color, even at its weak, at, at its strongest. So you may really think you're getting not getting much or that kind of thing, but it is really known for its. Um, uh, uh, nutritional value and helping with those phytonutrients that are in it. The other thing that I read that they said is if you get scalded by the tea kettle, if you take a cold tea bag and put it on that burn, it'll pull the fire and the burn out of the burn. So there's a, a little tidbit that can help you as well. Now we're going to talk, Deborah talked about the advantages of vitamin D's for your, for your joints and that. It is also important for your immunity to increase your vitamin D intake. Vitamin D is really available in a few foods and really in not much content of those foods. One of the reasons we, in, in, um, we fortify our milk with vitamin D is to help absorb the calcium that we find in milk, but it also gives us that vitamin. People with diabetes are more at risk of fractures, so you want to have your body have as much vitamin D as possible so that it um, can help help prevent those fractures and help make your bones stronger in the process. Um, when we're looking at vitamin D, there's several forms of vitamin D that you can purchase, but uh, vitamin D3 is most closely to what your body makes with sunshine, when you are exposed to sunshine. So D3 is, uh, when you're looking at the, the shelves of vitamins, that would be the one that you would be actually looking for. Now the Endocrinology Society recommends 1,500 IU units a day of D3, while the National Institutes of Health only recommends 600 IUs a day. So that's something to visit with your healthcare team as to what their recommendation is that you should take. Um, and it's, it's pretty readily available in, in grocery stores and pharmacies as we're looking at it. Now with those people with diabetes, we're finding more and more um, supplements and drugs that are coming in chewable format and gummy format. Unfortunately, they may have additional carbohydrates that will spike your blood sugar. So if you have something that you're taking in that format and you find the, the blood sugar raises, that might be the culprit and help you to think through um, that process. Also in your yellow handout, you'll find there is an app there that is called the D-Minder Pro. You can go in and put in your, it'll ask you for your skin tone, your weight, your age, and where you live and it will tell you how much uh, vitamin D you get from sunshine at what time of the day, and it uh, gives you that information. If you're looking to, to do that, um, it help, helps to give you that information. Your best gain of sunshine will be from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. That is when the sun in Nebraska is directly above us and would be your best benefit. 
so then um, we also, to increase your immunities, we want to have you think about how do you get um, lifted up. Positive emotions are very important for our immunity. To think positive, to feel positive, to feel happy, um, looking at those kinds of things are really important. So one of the things they found is if to book a massage, it's a good uh, excuse and it increases your immunity. T spend time outdoors. There's things that we gain from being outdoors and going for that walk, being in the forest and that, that really help build our immunities. Although people in Nebraska aren't really noted for being tree huggers, but that is, you know, there are benefits that we gain from being outside. But they did go on to say just getting hugs from humans is very important and it helps lift us up and make us feel good. The last six weeks I've been teaching in Wisner uh, to the third grade class and I had the a grand opportunity that my nephew is in that class and as we started class every day um, he would come and give me a hug at the beginning of class and then again at the end of class and that really made a very positive experience for that whole setting um, to have that hug so encourage um, that and, and cultivate that in your life it will help you feel lifted up so what are some things that you do to gain that positive uplifting feeling in your life how do you build it in to build your immunity? Any suggestions from the participants in any of the locations? So, okay. Okay, and spending a time with a pet is a good thing. Um, they don't talk back. They'll listen to all your worries and woes, and um, they get to, you get to hear it and that kind of thing. They're also good for the exercise uh, because they, they need to be walked, and if you have that excuse to get them out morning and afternoon or evening and that kind of thing, it can help you be lifted up and feel better, but it can also help you with that physical activity. So they, they have some really good opportunities that they build for us and build in. So think about those kinds of things of what adds um, into your life and that kind of thing that you can take and increase your um, feelings of feeling lifted up and improve your mood, which will help your immunity. Another thing that helps uh, with uh, increasing your immunity is to kick the smoking habit. And we've seen e-cigarettes take and be um, developed in that and that they were supposed to be better for your health, but research is telling us that they don't help your immunities. They, they are just as bad on building immunity as regular cigarettes. We also learned that eating five vegetable servings a day is very good for us. Uh, people who eat five servings of vegetables a day, and that's half cup servings of vegetables, have 20% less um, sick days. Those people that only eat two vegetable servings a day have 33% sick days. Um, so it does, there are, are benefits to your health and your immunity from those good vegetables that we have talked to, uh, encouraged you to increase since you were a child. Another thing is we're going to talk about logging that sweat. So this is a different way to look at exercise, different words. So maybe it'll help us to look at it. But if we have those regular exercise uh, benefits, it helps to build our immunity. It makes us stronger. It also, when we do uh, succumb to a cold or the flu, the respiratory things, they're less severe and the symptoms are less severe if we have regular exercise built into our, our daily routine five days a week. They also said to prevent boredom, 
with your exercise routine is to take and um, uh, change it up with yoga. Now I thought of myself trying to do yoga and I thought now that's a stretch but it is that research again shows us that it is important for us to change things up change different things use different muscles to increase our flexibility and our immunity. Like I said earlier, in Nebraska, we are going to have winter weather. I, you know, that's not a secret or that. But, you know, right now, I see people that are still wearing their flip-flops. We're not used to putting coats on to go outside and that kind of thing. We're going to have a dramatic change here shortly. And it's important for all of us to dress appropriately, to wear our hats, our gloves, our coats, and make sure that we protect ourselves from that weather. Dressing in layers so that we can take them off as we get warm um, will, is a good thing to, to have. Now as we move on to the next one and the last one for increasing your immunity, we need to make sure that we get our immunizations. We need to get our flu shots and our pneumonia shots and that. Some people say, oh, we'll put it off until later into the fall so that it'll carry us longer into the spring with that uh, flu shot. Now is the time. It is important that we go ahead and get that flu shot so that we are protected. The, as people that have been diagnosed with diabetes, you're in a high risk category um, and so you do need that immunity. Even the year that there was a, a great shortage on the flu shots, my husband as a school teacher was listed in that uh, group of people that were um, able to get the uh, flu shot because he was higher risk, because he was in a school system where he was exposed to lots of different germs and that kind of thing. He also had diabetes, so he qualified without a question as one of the people that should get those. So I do encourage you to do that. If you are concerned about the flu shot and its components and allergies or reactions with your medication, once again, visit with your healthcare team. They can address those whole issues. And your regular healthcare team home, your pharmacy home or that kind of thing, they will have all of your records. They can look to it and, and make those decisions of what is appropriate and not appropriate for you. So there's, there's advantages of sticking to that medical team and that medical home that has all of your records so that they know what you're doing. So now we wanna talk about also increasing our energy. As we have less sunshine um, and the days get, uh, the sunlight gets shorter each day, sometimes we have a tendency to feel sluggish and um, we want to really look for ideas to increase our, our energy levels. And this applies for everybody, whether you have diabetes or not. And um, so some of the things that we're going to look at um, are now to increase your energy level. The first item is to make yourself a priority. You need to carve out time each and every day. If it's only 15 minutes a day um, that for yourself to clear your mind, um, you know, go through things where you can just relax and focus on yourself, your needs, and those kinds of things. And it's hard to do it, but and if you find yourself avoiding it or not getting it done, put yourself on your to-do list so that you make time to um, have time for yourself. And the next thing is uh, exercise comes up once again. This is your third time tonight of sharing the benefits of exercise. But it is so important that you do have that movement in your body. If you build exercise into your uh, weekly routine five times a week, you, if it's 
part of your daily routine, you will find you don't make an excuse for not exercising. So routine is, 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 is critical. Another thing, a, a good friend of mine walks every single morning at six o'clock in the morning. And what uh, really keeps her to that routine is she has two ladies that are over 80 that she walks with and she knows they will be at the corner and so that's her motivation that if they're up and about she better be because she's their 20 year younger um, type thing and and that is when you can build in that personal commitment to somebody else you know it on these cold mornings, it's going to be much easier to roll over and not get out of bed and do it. But if there's somebody waiting at the corner for you, it, it makes that motivation and commitment to stick with it. So think about that as a technique to build into your daily life. Um, if you can just work by working 10 minutes in a day, then you can grow it. And once you have your routine, it's much harder to make that excuse. Um, just simple things of walking 15 minutes a day rather than um, driving partway to work and, and walking the rest of the way, taking the stairs whenever possible. Uh, when you're waiting for somebody or waiting for a pot to boil or that, do jumping jacks or some type of physical activity. During advertisements in uh, your favorite TV show, do um, crunches or some type of physical activity. Get up and move is, a, is the whole idea for for that. We talked about your pets and that kind of thing. Um, they want you to be out there and exercise with them. Use them as motivation. Um, if you already have a routine, build hills in it or go farther. Better for both you and your pet to make that happen um, as you're working with it. Be creative. Do not let boredom slip in so that you lose that exercise um, routine from your daily schedule. Any other ideas to share of ways you build in exercise and, and commitment to it? Um, anything in Tecama that you had of ways that you build commitment into your exercise program? Another thing that I found too, um, earlier I had a, a membership at the hospital uh, wellness center. And I found personally, if I paid that bill on a monthly basis, which was more expensive than paying the annual membership, if I paid it monthly, I was more cognizant of, I invested that money, I better go use it. Whereas if I, if I paid it just on an annual basis, what I found is, you know, three months out, well, that money's gone, you know, type thing. It didn't create for me that personal motivation. So you have to learn about yourself and understand yourself and what's working with it to make um, um, exercise a part of your daily routine. Deborah talked about the importance of making healthy food choices. And as we look at the next few months, healthy food choices are, are imperative for us, uh, for our health. And so as we look at it, it's important that even small changes in your dietary pattern can take and help you uh, make those improvements. And if you can make the small improvements, then you keep adding small improvements and all of a sudden it becomes a major improvement, helps you with he eating healthier, being healthier, having more energy, and probably losing weight at the same time. So um, those can be really helpful for you. One of the things they suggest is to pack healthy snacks so that you have them so you're not tempted by the vending machines or the candy bars or that kind of thing. You don't have to buy 
100 calorie package things because we know they're more expensive. You can package your own healthy snacks to carry with you. Um, this is 18 pretzels, that's one serving. Um, pretty sizable amount of food. If you were to do Lay's potato chips or that kind of thing, 10 is all that you would have in your, in your snack bag or that kind of thing. So it gives you a pretty sizable amount. Another, you know, would peanuts or that would be another option. Um, a granola bar is the nice thing about this is it's packaged, it stays clean, it stays fresh. You open this, you eat it, there's no more temptation because there's no more to eat. Whereas if you have the bag of pretzels, your temptation is if you take them to the TV room or by the computer is to eat way more than one serving. So package up your own um, healthy snacks and that. Um, downsize your fully enhanced extra large mochas that have all the sugar and cream and those kinds of things to a medium size and then maybe you can then just substitute for maybe a full strength uh, soda pop to a uh, diet or um, iced tea or even to water flavored with lemon or a fruit or vegetables or that kind of thing. But if you just try to go cold turkey when you're used to something in that 3 to 4.30 time frame in the day, you'll find yourself slipping back into the routine. But if you can switch up something that is healthier for you or less calories and you still have the drinking motion, you still have the rehydration uh, of your body at that point, you're going to be more likely to stick with it rather than just trying to go totally cold turkey. Um, eat breakfast at least a few days a week. It jump starts your body. It's good for you. Uh, choose healthy snacks for your late night snacks. Um, skip the vending machine. Add fruits and vegetables in. Have them ready in the refrigerator, ready to eat, that you don't have to peel and fix them because if you do that, you won't go ahead and use them. Avoid, limit the high starch vegetables. And finally, incorporate more whole grain foods into your diet and trim the fat wherever possible um, as you're looking at various food options and <coughs> snacks options. Staying hydrated is very essential to your energy level. We wouldn't think that it would play such an important part, but 50% of our body is water and our body uses water to help with absorption, um, digestion, transportation, transportation of nutrients, it eliminates waste, it cools our body, it lubricates our joints, and it also um, adds uh, to the lubrication of our eyes as well as the, the cells in our nasal passages. So import, water is very important to us. We know it's important to us, but 75% of Americans are dehydrated at any one point in the day. So we have to get out there and encourage people to consume more water. And um, they have a rule of eight, 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 eight ounces of fluid a day. Um, a lot of the rules say water a day, but all fluids that you take in do count. Although you have to be cautious of the ones that have caffeine in it. Tea, coffee, soda pops, those all, and even diet sodas will have caffeine in them. Caffeine is a diuretic, so it takes, it flushes the fluids out of the system faster than the impurities. So you have to be cautious with that. You have to make sure that your, your fluids are not all caffeinated. 
So now it's important to take and get enough rest. We talked about it earlier, but just some other things um, that it's important for. It restores our body. It heals the damage that is done to our body by stress and all the things that we um, do. But most people have inadequate rest. So some additional things you can do to improve your rest and help you relax when you get to bed is turn the computer and TV video games off two hours before you're ready to go to bed. So if bedtime's 10 o'clock, you say 10, you know, eight o'clock, no more. Um, also limit work-related uh, calls that are um, work you up. Um, don't put those close to work. Um, if you're a supervisor and a person calls and says, I won't be there in the morning, you're probably not going to sleep real well that night as we look at it. Um, then also try slow breathing or relaxation techniques before you go to bed to help you relax and get that full undisturbed sleep. Now to determine how much sleep you need, use these when you're on vacation, use these hints and tips to help you relax. Go to bed, make sure that it's dark so you don't get interrupted in a quiet, cool place that you're sleeping, and let yourself sleep until you naturally wake up. That is the amount of time your body needs to restore it. So it could be six hours, seven, eight hours, or 10 hours, but that's, that's a way to gauge what your body needs. So there's you know, lots of different things. You have to learn what works best for you to get that full night's rest and sleep. So stress. Uh, we've got to look at stress in our lives and look for ways to get less stress in our lives. The one thing I can share with you, not from my reading now, but from a leader training lesson I gave a number of years ago, is the only people in the world that do not have stress today are those that are deceased. So stress or no stress, the stress is a better option uh, for all of us. So we have, but we have to look at how can we manage it, how can we reduce it, how can we get control of it? Because negative and uh, stress and overstress will take our energy away from it. And getting a handle on it helps you to feel better, helps you to feel energized, and also helps your immunity system to to look at uh, working through it. So there is our advantages to. Um, working with that whole process. Another advantage of improving your energy is to seek happiness. And happiness has a direct link to rich source of energy that no amount of exercise and healthy eating can match. Happiness is a big part of staying energized. Face up to things that are in your life, work at chipping them away and eliminating them to help improve your energy. Being kind to others is really an important thing too. But if you use the same thing that you're being kind to people on, um, you'll get bored with it and it doesn't bring you that same type of ca uh, happiness and relief and, and comfort in your life. So then, it, um, so changing it up is really important. Connecting with people is also important. Being in a class like we have here tonight, seeing that there are other people concerned about helping manage uh, diabetes and that. You learn things from them. You, um, there's just a much more positive uh, aspect than trying to just go it alone by yourself. So connect with people whenever possible. Um, now I'm gonna ask again for your input and thought. I, I'm going to give you each 30 minutes. 
that you can decide what you really like to do. What do you do that helps you relax, that you enjoy, um, that makes you feel better after you've participated in that activity? In, in um, O'Neill and, and uh, Takem, Ta in Takema, somehow it looks like we've lost Takema, in Laurel Concord, <laughs> I want you all now to think about what you would do if you were given 30 minutes and could do anything that you want to do. So what would that be? Any ideas from here in West Point? Annette? I do crossword puzzles work of play freestyle on the, on the computer. Okay, so computer games and crossword puzzles. Has anybody colored? You know, that's one of the new things that is out there is coloring. I, I, I tried it for about 10 minutes one night, and yes, it does make you feel different. It, and it is, it is really a positive, relaxing, you can lose yourself in that activity. And you know, if you're looking for a gift for a friend that is uptight or tense, or you just need a, a, a nice gift to give somebody, a new set of colored pencils and one of those coloring books would be a wonderful gift to give um, one of those things of being nice and that kind of thing. Any other ideas here of what you would do with that 30 minutes, Nancy? Spend time outdoors. Okay. Relaxing, okay, being outdoors, sitting, relaxing, just taking it in um, and, and working with that. Any other ideas of things you like to do that are relaxing? Okay, and just that connecting with the soil is really um, a good, good uh, process for people. Okay, um, Laurel Concord, do you have ideas? Okay, now, what we've done is we said we would give everybody 30 minutes. You thought about in your own mind what you wanted to do, what you would do with that 30 minutes. I want you to schedule that 30 minutes in between now and next Monday, and I want you to figure, I want you to actually take advantage of doing what is your passion, embracing your passion and enjoying it and increasing your um, uh, energy level. Okay. okay, then the next one is to take an energy, uh, exercise good judgment each and every day. Um, change is challenging. We're going through lots of changes now. And when we are fatigued and under stress, we default to the familiar. It's easy to give up the uh, gym. If we're stressed, it's easy to be comforted by fast foods or that kind of thing. So you really have to look at each and every hour, the excuse me, the decisions you make and try and, and make those decisions to err on the side of positiveness, being kind, doing those kinds of things. If we start today, you do it for yourself and you will increase your energy, you will increase your immunities, and yes, you can, you can do it, as this little guy uh, shows in the visual here. So that gives you some ideas, hopefully, that you can take and increase your immunities and your increase your energy uh, for this upcoming winter season. So um, now we're going to um, take a look at... Um, then I wanted to talk just a little bit um, 
about how to mix alcohol and incorporate it into your body um, or into your diet and into your activities and that kind of thing. Sorry about that, with kind of a Freudian slip or that kind of thing. Um, but uh, with care, you can um, have some alcohol and, and um, manage it successfully in your body. There are some, some research out there with red wine and different things that it is a benefit. Again, work with your healthcare team, ask their advice of what their thoughts are. Um, you only use alcohol if your blood sugars are in good control. You do not drink when you're pregnant. You do not drink if you have an inf inflammation of the pancreas or the stomach. You have elevated blood fats and you have frequent blood sh or low blood sugars. All of those are reasons to just eliminate it from your diet. Use it only in moderation. And um, one of the things that is a challenge is with drinking alcohol, it may make it difficult to control your blood sugar levels. And um, it also uh, can cloud your judgment while you are, are drinking alcohol. So let's take a look at what is defined as a drink. A drink is, 12 ounces of beer, five ounces of wine, or one and a half ounces of 80 proof distilled spirits such as gin, um, scotch, or rum. Alcohol actually, instead of raising your blood sugar levels, it lowers the blood sugar level. And so if you use insulin or certain types of medications like Becky or uh, um, Stacy talked about earlier, you're more likely to have a low blood sugar uh, reaction when you drink alcohol because it, uh, the alcohol acts on the liver just as the, many of those medications do. Alcohol makes low blood sugar reactions harder to recognize. And so, you know, as you're in, influenced in that and you may be having a low blood sugar and people may interpret it that you are uh, under the influence or that you are drunk. So you have to be really cautious with that. It increases, alcohol increases hunger, so you can find that it takes away your ability to control what you're eating. And if you have neuropathy or nerve damage in your arms and legs, drinking alcohol can increase the pain and the burning and the numbness that is caused by that <laughs> condition. So it, hopefully it gives you some things to look at. Now, alcohol and exercise. Let's, let's look at, you know, we think, you know, running on the treadmill or that. But let's look at if you've been out moving snow or at this um, raking leaves or in the spring, doing the spring cleanup, that's exercise. And if you've worked really hard and that, and you come in and you think, okay, it's time for a nice cold beer. I just want to relax with it and that. You need to check your blood sugar first to see where it's at. And, you know, especially if it's on the lower range, you need to, after you ingest that beer, you need to check your blood sugar again. Um, that's probably more where we would see that process of exercise and alcohol, not so much running on the treadmill or being at the gym or that kind of thing, but we have to look at the whole picture. Now, to heavy drinking, three or more drinks a day may make rep retinopathy, um, which is diabetic eye disease, worse, so you want to be careful of that. It should be consumed with food, and one of the more practical places we look at, you're invited to a wedding. You eat at noon, you go to a mid to late afternoon wedding, and you go from the wedding to the reception. 
what is probably the first thing they're going to serve is, is some beverages or that kind of thing. One of the things you can do to protect yourself in the situation is again, I come back to the same visuals, but have the one carbohydrate exchange in the car or you know, available and consume it before going into the wedding reception. Also, you shouldn't eat, uh, drink alcohol on an empty stomach or without food. So that having your, your, your um, type things like the peanuts or pretzels at a reception are good options or that kind of thing, or have the, the granola bar in the car so that you have that, you're not drinking on an empty stomach. Also, it's important to keep um, are hydrated when drinking alcohol. And so they suggest one part water to one part alcohol, you know, consuming them together so you maintain that hydration. And one re uh, place I even saw it go as high as two parts water to one part alcohol. Not that I'm saying mix them together, but that you have that amounts to counteract each other. You always wear your medical identi identity uh, at any, all times and you do not drink and drive. So you need to have a support person along with you when you are uh, choosing to consume alcohol. Somebody that knows how to recognize a low blood sugar and what to do and is prepared to, to counteract that with glucagon or um, you know, various uh, carb, one carb exchange type things. Um, uh, the person should be, uh, be able to, um, with hypoglycemia or low blood sugars, may appear intoxicated, uh, may slur words, may uh, move clumsily. Um, those can make you feel just like this little uh, clip art that I have in here. Uh, hungry, confused, dizzy, grumpy, shaky, sweaty, headachey or that kind of thing. A person with a low blood sugar is not going to remember what happened after that, after we get them back to the normal blood sugar level. And the person, that support person needs to be very cautious because if you're feeling all those different sy symptoms, you're going to want, the person's going to want to eat or um, drink, not alcohol, but say like you use fruit juices or a soda to do it. They'll They'll do that to, to get over that dizziness and they will overconsume. So the, uh, four ounces of juice or four ounces of, of, of so regular soda would be all you would give them because if you give them like the 16 or 20 ounce bottle, it'll be gone. Uh, or food wise, they'll want to eat more type thing. So you want, you, you limit that amount of uh, intake as much as possible so that there isn't the bounce from low to very high. Um, and, and um, be very cautious in that, in that process. Um, so there are cautions that you want to do or that kind of thing. Also, when the person is having a low blood sugar, their breath will smell sweet. And that's another way to recognize that process is doing it. On the back of your goldenrod colored ha handout, there is um, a listing of amounts of sugar or calories and carb exchanges or grams of carbohydrate in the various types of alcohol or that. It, um, if you have a specific sweet drink or a new special drink that you're looking at, the information is readily available on the internet. So you'll want to go and check that information out to give you specific answers about what is your beverage of choice. As you look at some of those, it's interesting that the carbohydrate counts in some of the ones that you would think would be very low. I, thought, I found that very uh, interesting. 
a lot of them put brand names on it, and I was cautious not to put brand names on the list. But again, it's readily available information out there on the, the internet, um, so you have that information. Okay, one last topic that we want to share with you is to look at food diaries. Um, and um, some people, as we look at food diaries, may say, oh, I don't even want to think about it, let alone actually do it. Um, food diaries do take a lot of time and energy to complete properly, but you can really learn a lot from a food diary. And uh, your attitude can really help, for, help make or break the success of the food diary. And um, when we're um, looking at it as a useful tool, um, the food diary can help you um, track a lot of things and learn a lot of things about your body and yourself. And it doesn't matter whether you do it as in, a, in a physical book or notebook, or you use computer software if you like um, to use the computer software in that. Um, you use a website or an app or even said if you don't like to record you know I had a cup of stew and it was made up of this and this and this if you take digital pictures of the actual meal and what you ate and take that with your um, blood sugar records to the doctor you they can get a good idea of how, if how much you understand the um, carb counting system, what you're eating, and how it's affecting your body. So you no longer have to write it all out longhand. Get something that works for you and, and make it uh, work for you. Thank you so much, Deborah. Okay. Um, okay. Um, with a food diary, you track basic information, the food you ate, ate and the portion size. You also track your medications, your physical activity, level of ketones, if that is something you and your doctor are working with, blood sugar levels, and I add emotions to this as well. You know, if you've had a very stressful day or things haven't gone right, or you've had positive stresses, um, weddings, uh, births of new grandchildren, or those kinds of things, positive stress can affect us as well. Um, recording your emotions, that's one of the things my mother dealt with, and her blood sugars uh, bounced with her emotions and so that's why I include that as well to help you and your medical care team determine what's going on with your body. Now if you're one of those techies there's all kinds of things that are out there. They um, Technology computer supported programs will figure how many calories you just have to put the stuff in there. Um, a lot of people are wearing the Fitbits or that kind of thing that gives them uh, looks at different things. It does it isn't the food journal but you can take a lot of information off of your fit, Fitbit to add to your journal. Um, phone apps are, are, are becoming much more effective and a lot there. There's several mentioned in your handout that you can look at. Um, but one of the things that food diaries do is they help you develop knowledge of the relationship of carbs, exercise, emotion, and blood sugar levels, and the information is quick. If you're looking at um, where to get what to use or that, ask your healthcare team. They've probably got some good information on um, what works and has not worked for their patients. If uh, your healthcare team says, you know, you should do a food diary, they should be prepared with a hard copy to give you so that you can start as soon as possible in looking at it. 
Food diaries help health care teams assess whether you're counting carbs correctly and dosing insulin correctly. They also help you identify unfavorable patterns. What are those midnight snacks? What if you're getting up in the middle of the night and eating? If you write it down, then they, it identifies that for you as well as that healthcare team. And um, it also, sometimes if you take and write it down, you think about it more and it limits the food you ingest. So if you're struggling with some of those snacks, making yourself write it down and count it out before you do might be the trick to help you get over some of those snacking habits. And um, people are resistant to keeping diaries. Um, they don't because it's a lot of work. And so we talked about the photos of your meals and that kind of thing. But now if your healthcare team has asked you to do it, or if you've decided it's a good idea, take it to your healthcare team and write out questions you have about specific things that you have in your diaries. Did your blood sugars go up and you didn't expect them to? Or did they drop and you didn't expect them to, but have specific written questions that draws you and your healthcare team into all the time and effort you put into keeping that diary. Um, and so that you become the partner in the team instead of bringing it to the healthcare team and saying, here it is, and then they ignoring it. Are you going to write another thing in it? No. So you become the partner that helps them value what you've learned from that diary. Okay, and um, as you're going to, uh, with an app, if you like things that are techy and that kind of thing, there are 14, we were at a, a health uh, a diabetes conference in Omaha and they told us there's 14,000 apps to help you track diabetes. And they said the first key in looking at what's a good app, if it's endorsed by FDA and reviewed by FDA, then that's one that you consider. That'll draw, take that number from 14,000 down to 14. 14 is a manageable amount to figure out which one's going to work for you. Um, so, and then also ask your doctor what works best if you want to download it into their computer com uh, and have things compatible ask your healthcare team for that, those directions so that you can do it. It's important, it's great benefit, learning how foods affect your blood glucose levels. It helps you learn to balance menus. It also helps you to figure out what foods fill you up and stick with you. And then the important thing is to get started with them as soon as possible.